Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of 747 Conversations. It's your host, Chris Shembra. I'm broadcasting from my backyard here in beautiful New York City. With me today is a very special gal, Miss Lori Cornmesser, all the way from San Jose, California. Welcome to the podcast, Lori. Thank you so much. I'm so delighted to be here. I mean, it's going to be a magical conversation for so many reasons. Today, we're talking about women in tech. Today, we're talking about global diversity. Today, we're talking about the maximum ways that you've been able to have an impact at a societal level by just being yourself. We're going to dive into that in a little bit. Lori is the Vice President, uh, Worldwide Channel Sales at Infoblocks where she leads the organization's indirect sales, partner performance, channel reach, revenue attainment, and partner profitability. She has been doing this in the channel space for over 25 years at literally the highest level. She's a former president of the board of the Women's Global Leadership Initiative, a former president of the Silicon Valley Diversity Council, and CRN Magazine, ranks her as one of the top women in channel for the past eight years. As a woman of African-American, Latin, and German descent, Lori is acutely aware of the importance of and the need to embrace diversity within the workplace, not to mention our society at large, and she's used her time on this planet to do good. We're going to talk a lot about that here today. Welcome again, Lori. Thank you so much. Now, we were, we were introduced just a short time ago through our dear mutual friend, Tiffany Bova. True story. <laughs> literally, I think last week, she brought together 29 powerhouse women to come together to share in gratitude, to use as an opportunity to find serendipitous points of connection and ultimately raising the profile of each other. I really thank her for her leadership in all of us being able to step into this world as authentically as we can possibly be. And you've been living that. And the same question that we started off that dinner with is the same question I want to start off this podcast with today. Lori, if you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you don't give enough credit or thanks to, that you've never thought to give any credit or thanks to, who would that be? I remember when you asked the question and my answer, the first thing that came to my mind was my mother. I do give a lot of credit to my mother in terms of the strength that she's provided me and just her ability. You know, my parents were in a time being a biracial family and growing up in Monterey Bay you would think would be kind of easy, but it wasn't. And so I had a lot of lessons that I learned from her in terms of strength, in terms of finding moments of gratitude, in terms of defining my own path and not being afraid to kind of go after the things that are most important. And I think part of why I say my mother today is because my mother is 82 years old and my father is 80, just turned 80 this year. And she's at a different part in her life. And so my life is very busy. I'm still, you know, still at the top of my game in my career. I've got kids. I've got a wonderful husband that I love and adore. I've got friends and family. 
And my mother will call almost every day with something that she wants to talk about, the apple pie she made or the, <laughs> and I find myself not being able to move away from busy to just take a moment to listen to the great apple pie success that she had. And I find myself wanting to do better with that and just giving her those moments of just stopping and slowing down a little bit. Hmm. You mentioned the great apple pie of success. What was her apple pie during your childhood? What did a busy, successful mom in a biracial marriage look like to you as a young woman? Yeah, my, my parents, you know, I didn't come from money or success, but one of the things that my family did, and my father did this very well, is a lot of the lessons that he didn't know, he made sure that I had how to make money. He had friends that he knew that, you know, made money. My dad served in the military and was stationed at Fort Ord, California. So they didn't come from a lot of success, but they were very smart and they surrounded themselves with very smart people. So I had a lot of good lessons in how to, you know, make money and save money. And my, my uncle Willie was like the first success that we had at IBM. And he had a big Afro and a blue suit and a BMW. And I just thought, wow, I want to do that one day, right? He was my first lesson in success. A lot of my family comes from educators. Education was a big part of my family. So a lot of my family served in, you know, they were, they were principals or they were, you know, on boards for a lot of education. So education was a big part of that. My mother was a nurse, and so she was a very giving person. What I learned from her is to always be kind. What I learned from my father is to always be humble. I remember when I first started making money and I started buying a fancy shampoo and my dad said, you know, listen, do you really need to buy the fancy shampoo just because you can doesn't mean you need to, right? Don't forget where you kind of come from. So I've always been sort of grounded in Regardless of all the accolades that I get, I'm just a small town girl that, you know, just wanted to make an impact on humans, right? I mean, that was the biggest thing is just leave, leave it better than you found it, right? That was always sort of the lesson. And from your parents, you learned humility, learned the value of education, the value of investment. Talk to me about the investment in others you as, as a young person, when did you realize that you were destined to be a, a global leader in something? So I always had big dreams. I mean, if I think about even writing down what I wanted to be when I grew up, and, and I can literally remember doing this at six or seven years old, I wanted to be a business leader. I didn't know what that was, but I just wanted to be a businesswoman. You know, they, they dress nice, they smell good, right? They looked fancy and they had nice shoes and, you know, and I just loved that. I loved that whole approach. Growing up biracial, you know, one of the things that my mother always said is that it is your privilege and your burden because I get to view the world differently and the world sees me differently and a lot of times reacts very differently before they realize sort of what's behind the layers. And so I have the opportunity to, to witness things that others don't in terms of how people are treated. And so I grew up always fighting for people that I didn't think could fight for themselves. I was that kid that if you picked on somebody at the playground, you were going to have to deal with me. And so that was me. Uh, I was the kid that invited the kids that were quirky to their birthday party because I knew that they would feel left out and I didn't want them to feel left out. And so it was 
a lesson that my parents taught me because I view the world that way. I want to make sure that I can protect those that can't always fight for themselves, right? Mm. So I always sort of had that in my, in my basis sort of growing up, right? Growing up biracial is both a privilege and a burden. It sounds like empathy you were born with. You were born to be able to listen to the feelings and perspectives of others. And as we know, and many CEOs, 95% of CEOs believe financial performance is directly linked to empathy. It's not how smart you are when you're born. It's not what your technical skills are. It's how your ability to relate to other people that ultimately determines your earning potential and ability to make an impact. Mm -hmm. did, did you know that back then or is that new to you now? It's new to me now. I'll be honest yeah. with you. I, I think that I've gotten to a place in my career where I feel really good about the things that I know how to do, the impact that I can create on the business. And I'm known for, you know, I just sort of get it done. And that was a reputation that I sort of had and developed with companies. But throughout my career, one of the things that I always did was I would recognize the woman at the table. I would recognize the minority at the table. I would make sure that they had a voice. And so those were the little things that I did just to create impact. And now that I'm in a position where I can create my own teams and I can, you know, create some new platforms, it's really exciting because I'm, I really am talking about these things much more. Whereas before I didn't, there wasn't a platform to really talk about it. And there wasn't a recognition of, you're right, I did all those things and I've come to this place. And yes, I can create impact on people and lives and humans and the world. And that feels really good. Before I dive into what you just talked about, I want to go back to that previous sentence. Growing up biracial is a great privilege and a burden. Talk to me about that burden. Talk to me about that anxiety. That anxiety exists because as a black person growing up in America, you think about the simple things that you just want to go do. You want to walk to the store. You want to jog. You want to go to a restaurant. A lot of us in the Black community have anxiety about a lot of those things, especially now, but we always have because there's, you don't know what you're going to step into. And so what would happen, quite honestly, Chris, is, and it happens even today, but as a child, you know, my parents would send me in to go get the restaurant booking because if we went in together, we might end up sitting in the back. They would send me in to go get the order for the food because otherwise food might come with hair in it and things like that, right? Which we, we bumped into. And even today, that's what happens. When we go into a restaurant, I do the booking. I kind of know my role in this equation because I know that we'll get a better outcome or, or we'll be better received in the normal things that sort of people do every day. And so that's what I mean by a burden is that I carry that because I know that my role, you know, my mother always says it's almost like the go-between, right? You're the go-between. You're kind of the acceptable face for people. And so you've got to make sure that both sides are kind of seeing this. So, but it's something that I'm honored to sort of step into. And, you know, it was interesting. I'll tell you 
when all of this racial injustice happened, it was like a ticking time bomb that would go off in, at my dinner table every day, right? I mean, we're grieving with the families. We're angry about it. We have to sit down and talk to my kids about what it means and what kind of world we're... And oh, by the way, remember to be safe. If you get pulled over, if you get stopped by anybody, here's the protocol. A lot of things that aren't often talked about. I had to tell my husband, who's an athlete, that he can no longer jog around here by himself because I'm worried about him coming home and being safe. So there's a lot of things that we sort of talked about, but as I was thinking about, I was getting a lot of questions from a lot of companies about what do you think about racial injustice and why can't we use all lives matter and why black lives matter? And do we use black or African-American? And I said to my husband, like, I don't want to be this person. Like, I don't, why are they all coming to me? And there was a moment of, I just didn't want to do it. And he said to me, listen, but here's the deal. They're coming to you because they trust you. They know that you're going to give them the right answers. And if it's not you, they're going to go and find it somewhere else and it may not be right. So you may not have wanted this crown, but you have to step into it. And so I really have. And I, I have been educating my company on a lot of things. I've been educating my friends on a lot of things. And I do it now with such a different voice because I'm so proud that they've respected the fact to come to me and that they felt safe enough to come to me and that we can talk about it openly like this because five years ago, we would have never had this conversation, right? Just never. At work, we're taught to not talk about politics, religion, and race. Like you just don't do it. But, you know, one of the important things that I shared with my company is, you know, listen, if we don't say something, saying nothing is saying something. And that's, mm. you know, very impactful. So, yeah. You summed it up so well by saying that you're the go-between. I mean, you are the go-getter, but you're a go-between. And that's indicative of a good servant leader. And gratitude is really a great tool for humility because gratitude is accepting that you've received some sort of value from others. And that develops humility. People with humility, they don't think less of themselves. They just think about themselves less. And you being a quote-unquote go-between is a testament to your ability to support and empower and connect those around you and amplify their voices, which brings me to our next topic of discussion. In just a short few weeks, we are embarking on a, a wonderful opportunity to come together and connect a few dozen of your go-getters to have them connect through gratitude and, and shared stories and meet each other and amplify their missions. Why did you say yes or, or make this investment in bringing a, a group of diverse people together around the virtual dinner table? Yeah, I think... Um... When I came to the session that you did with Tiffany Bovez, I said, I had no idea what that was, but Tiffany said, come. And I said, okay. And then as I started, and I didn't come in with a lot of expectations other than I had my head and my heart sort of open. And you asked the first question in that session, which is, how are you feeling? And I typed into the chat, I was tired. I'm tired. I'm working extremely hard. I am tired of all the social injustice. I have to tell you, I am tired of the news 
and not tired in a way that I'm disrespecting any pieces of that. It just gets heavy. It gets heavy. It gets heavy. And I continue to try to find outlets, you know, for myself. Sure. I work out every day. I'm trying to do meditation every day and all those things, but I wasn't really thinking about something that you brought to the table and in a beautiful way that was, Hi, let's remember all the beautiful things that we still have that we're thankful for that we're connected to. And so the reason that I wanted to do this session is because a lot of the people in, you know, as Tiffany says, my tribe, you know, and and I have a tribe of people that keep me grounded and keep me energized. There's a lot that they're holding on to as well. And I think life has gotten heavy for a lot of people, right? On top of COVID, on top of the fires here in California and social injustice and just trying to navigate all of, you know, our kids are at home with Zoom and our husbands are now at home where everybody's at home and the dogs at home, you know, it's, it's a lot. And we're still trying to be warriors. And a lot of my tribe, we're warriors. And what that means is, we put on our shield every day. And sometimes we don't take the moments to think about ourselves to say, we're blocking out everything. We're going to get through it because we were taught to just get through it. Get through it. Don't, you know, don't talk about it. A lot of us come from military backgrounds or families from military backgrounds. So my husband's in a military background. So it's like, don't talk about it, right? But you also don't leave people behind. And that's the biggest thing for me is that you gave something to me that I thought was really special. And I want to make sure that I can share it with my warriors to just make sure that they're thinking about life in the way and putting it in the right perspective and not getting too heavy and burdened with all this stuff. Mm. This warrior, this beautiful, diverse warrior, fighter, Describe them to us right now. Who do you hope says yes? Yeah, that's a great question. So I started to write a list of my warriors. And I think about the people that have impacted my life. I think about the women who influenced my career. I think about the women and men who still influence my career today. I think about my first cousins who are like my best friends that we chat every day about stuff that's going on. I think about my husband and I think about the men in my life and in my family that kind of support the values, the ones that pay attention to my life and support my life and remind me that I'm supposed to be here and I'm glad you are and recognize my success and remind me of my impact. And so that's the group that will be coming. And how do you think they'll honestly feel at the start of the experience, just like when you said tired? What do you think they're going through? So I think that my desire is that they come with an open heart and mind, as I did. Don't overthink it. Don't overprepare because that's what we typically do, right? (laughs) Who is Chris? What does he do? What is this all about, right? So come with open heart and mind. And I, you know, I promise that if they step into this with the same sort of open heart and mind, they will leave much different than they came. And that's, that's my hope. Mm. Leaving different than they came. What action do you hope that they take for our world going forward together? 
I hope that we can help recognize that the world is heavy, mm-hmm. that we can create some moments of peace, that we can remind people of the places of peace to give them the courage and support to move forward because we all have to step into this. Mm-hmm. If we start stepping back, we're going to just keep stepping back. And, you know, a lot of us are really tired of this because our parents have been dealing with racial injustice. Our grandparents were dealing with it. I mean, it's over 400 years of kind of having the same conversation. So that a lot of times we go, oh, here we go again. But this is not a here we go again. This is, this is different. This is really, really different. And if we don't step into it and continue to step into it and be voices and be compassionate and be patient and be educators and, you know, look for moments of that, then we're going to miss the opportunity in the window to really make impact. So my hope is that we give them the spirit and the permission and the power to continue to step forward. Hmm. They say that communication is 7% what you say, 38% how you say it, and 55% how your body says the words. And when I sit across this screen from you, and I wish my listeners could see your body language right now, you avert your eyes to the sky when you talk about hope, when you talk about impact. Do you have a God of your own understanding? Do you have a higher power? Do you have a spiritual guide? I, you know, listen, I, I grew up in a very religious background. You know, my mother came from Seventh-day Adventist. My father was Catholic. I went to a Catholic high school. I wouldn't say that I was religious, but I am spiritual. And I know that there is a higher power. And I do believe in a higher power for sure. Well, in closing, why I asked that and the answer that I think I knew you were going to say is that we all want to believe in something bigger than ourselves. That's right. We all want to belong to something bigger than ourselves. And your ability to take the gospel of a higher power of your own understanding, not religion, and be that go-between to bring that to the people, you are giving them the ability to belong to something bigger than themselves. That is your tribe. Those are your warriors. That is the experience that you're going to put on in mid-October. And I am honored to help you do that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Lori, do you have any last words for our audience in closing? Well, I'm just so excited to be partnering with you on this. And I'm excited to introduce you to some amazing people that I know that you're going to have great impact on. And my hope and desire is that they see what we see, they feel what we feel, and they can also kind of take that forward and super excited. I love it. Well, folks, thank you for tuning in. I really hope you enjoyed this extremely unique episode. We just heard the words of a woman who understands that life can be hard. Life can be riddled with anxiety. Life can be filled with very different and difficult ways to cope. But as we've learned from Lori, the grateful processing of unpleasant memories, when you can come together through that energy, 
and have gratitude for the struggle, you can find hope and creative outlets to bring that energy. And community is a great outlet for that. So follow Lori. Check her out on LinkedIn. Go to LoriCornmesser.com. She is a global leader in the technology sector. Follow her work. Follow her sales. Follow her leadership. But most importantly, follow what she's doing to elevate the impact of others. I hope you've liked this episode. Please stay tuned for the next episodes of 747 Conversations as we interview some of the most heart-centered and like-minded leaders on our planet. If you heard something today, go out and do something about it. Go out and write a gratitude letter to someone you haven't talked to in a while. Go out and build that community. People need your leadership. They need the servants of the world to step up and bring people together. Don't leave anybody behind as we learned from Lori today. Subscribe to the channel. Click like on iTunes. Give us a good review and email in any thoughts on people we should have on this podcast. I hope y'all are having a phenomenal day on earth. Remember folks, it's your world. Go explore and we'll see you next episode. Mm -hmm.